frustration. Because I know, Lord, that you are the one who can raise above all of the fray of this world. That you are faithful, Jesus. We just need to be faithful to you in all that we do. So, Lord, we rejoice, and we, we rejoice in the midst of, of some turmoil because we know that you're always faithful. And I pray, Lord, this morning that as we, as we share your word in this message, Lord, that we can, we can really see your faithfulness come through, Lord. And, Lord, I pray for that so much for, for my brothers and sisters here, those who couldn't make it today, and also for myself. Lord, that you speak to us and minister to us, that your Holy Spirit will just guide me and empower me as, as I share this message with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that Jesus calls us to obedience in the midst of living in this crazy, it seems like crazy, upside-down world. Contrary to biblical values are the ungodly, worldly, self-centered values that tell us that we should seek pleasure, 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 and self-fulfillment, for they are and should be our highest goals. If it feels good, do it. And here's really one for today. It's all about my freedom. It's all about my freedom and my rights. I have my rights. I, I have my rights. That's what it's all about. And, and we also today, we, we open our own doors of opportunity. That's what the world says. We open our own doors of opportunity. Therefore, who needs God? Who needs Christ? We are, I believe, in an ongoing battle in this world right now between faith and culture. And there seems to be a wedge that's really growing wider and wider between faith and culture. That's why it is so, so important for all of us to review. I keep talking about reviewing the basics because we need to. Paul always reviewed the basics. The writers of the, to me, on the gospel, they review the basics. Every book that you read if you really read it, isn't it true that there's some, it, it, it kind of intertwines, it connects. The same truths are there, but they're expressed and told in different ways, in different situations. It's all about Christ. The Bible was written, I believe, to draw us closer to God in Christ, to reveal God in Christ, who he is, always, always, always in the word of God. Jesus, in New Testament, is elevated. He's the one. We all point to him for, all, for everything, everything. And that hasn't changed some 2,000 years later. Amen? So I believe it's very important for us to find the right way. And we're doing Jesus' demands. Jesus has really a demand here that I find very interesting. Remember, he talks about in Matt, when we're reading this, narrow is the way, you know, that leads to life. You're here. You're narrow. 
don't mean that in a mental way, <laughs> but you're the, you know, we are the, what's the word I'm looking for? We're not the, we're not the um, majority, we're the minority. Clearly, underline that, we are. And Jesus said that 2,000 years ago, he said that narrow is the gate that leads to life. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction. So it's so easy just to live free in this world, but God is saying, Christ saying, it's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, growing into the kingdom of God requires so much more of us. Pretty much paraphrasing this whole message. But anyway, my first thought comes from Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Finding the narrow gate. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter, it, enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus consistently teaches that following him is not easy. Here he talks about two gates and two roads. He talks about a wide gate and a broad road leads to destruction. And then Jesus said, I'm going to John first, John 10, 10 rather. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. But this abundant life Jesus offers requires hard work and discipline. To be proficient at playing a musical instrument requires hard work and discipline. To be proficient at, you know, being part of a worship team, being either playing an instrument or singing, requires hard work and discipline. Now, we all know that. I mean, this is something, this isn't new. This isn't novel, you know. And that same work ethic applies to our achievements in life. I'm sure you tell parents, you tell your kids, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard if you want to be successful. And that's really true, isn't it? How many of you were in sports back in the day? All right. And one thing about sports, I was too, one thing about sports I think we could commonly agree on is when you're serious about your sports, you worked hard at it because you realize that the harder I work at this, the better I'm going to be. You know, it also teaches you, you know, to lose, you know. I was in, in few sports, and I used to say, I was a track and field guy, and I used to say, the stopwatch doesn't lie. Either you're faster, you're slow, or slower, or whatever. Or you can jump high, or you can't jump over the bar, you know. So in order to improve, you had to work at what your event, what it is. And it could be the same with football or basketball or whatever the case might be. Or your job. Who gets ahead in this world? Those who work hard. I remember, well, this is, I'm going off. I'm doing it again, Marie. I'm going off, the, the, going down that path again. I remember when I was just 22 years old. Becca, I can still remember that. I was so handsome. <laughs> and I started working for Jewel. 
And I got that job, because I needed a job, uh, at the uh, advice of my uh, Jan's brother, Chip, who was a jewel guy and very, talk about hard work, he really advanced so rapidly as a young man in that company. But one thing that he said that stuck with me and stuck with me because I knew it, and you know it as well. He said, I was always the first one at work and basically the last one to leave. Then I asked, well, why? Why, why all of this? He said, because I knew that was the way to get ahead. That's the way to get ahead. Hard work, discipline. Hard work, discipline. And he was, in that, in that sense, he was a great model because he got ahead, really. I mean, he, he was an amazing man in that regard. And that applies to anything that we do. We have some people who are getting their degrees. That requires hard work and discipline, doesn't it? You know, working at your craft, whatever it is for you, requires hard work and discipline. Then Jesus says this. He says, narrow is the road or narrow is the way that leads to life. Narrow is the way. That is the way that leads to life, his life. But there's one area. It's all conditional. It's conditional on our faith walk, yes. But it's also conditional on our work ethic. To grow in a faith is demanding. To grow into the kingdom of God is demanding. It requires hard work, discipline, faith, and integrity. That, and you can add to that list. But that's true. You can't just say, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Okay, now what do I do? I do nothing but just say that I'm a Christian. Jesus says it costs to be a follower of him. It's going to cost you something. It costs me something. That's just the way it is. And I don't know about you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I just, you know, to say, Jesus, give me this. Jesus, give me that. Jesus, give me this. Jesus, give me that. Then how am I growing? How am I growing? How am I growing? And then Jesus becomes just an answering machine. Did not he rebel? Not himself, but talk against that with the miracles? Why do you believe in me? Because of the miracles that I do? Well, that's par partially true. But that's not it, because some days those miracles aren't going to be there. Someday Jesus said, can you just trust me for what you're going through right now? Can you trust me? Can you trust me that that loved one is not going to live? And you've been praying that it will live and survive your loved one? Can you trust me if that's not the case? See, when you trust him, that's when you grow. You grow more and more in the faith as you trust in him. Because Jesus did say again, in this world, you have problems. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We don't want to hear that. that we don't want to hear that first part. But sometimes life just doesn't work the way we prayed it would work. Amen? It just doesn't work. So, that's how I believe that we grow stronger and stronger in the faith. 
Now, is this a great sermon or what? Well, well, I know. I need the affirmation, I guess. Number two, and this is the one I really think we talk a lot about this because I think it's so important because it affects so many people, Christians in our land. Fear and anxiety. Number two, fear and anxiety can hinder us from entering the narrow gate. Deuteronomy 31, 1 through 6. Listen very, 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 very carefully here. Then Pastor Denny went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. Okay, now we get to now now we be serious. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, You shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. And then he said in verse 6, and how many times have we heard this one? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. you he will never leave you nor forsake you. Life. They were going through lifetime at this moment. They reached finally the promised land. And Moses, Moses was prepping them for that moment when they had crossed, had to deal with their enemies. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And he's saying that to us today. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The old generation was gone. The only ones left were Moses, Caleb, and Joshua. That transition of leadership was taking place. Moses would, re, I mean, Joshua would re, replace Moses and bring the nation into the promised land. So, what is Moses doing here? He's encouraging them during this transition period. Are you with me? Verse 6 again Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In verse 6, Moses gives the people a wonderful promise of victorious victory of his presence. He said, didn't he, that I will be with you. You have nothing to worry about. I will defeat your enemies. I'm there with you every step of the way. I was... Uh, a retired school teacher took a vacation in North Carolina. And listen to this. One day, she saw a brown bear climb and, and, climb, uh, and was messing around her deck, climbed on her deck. 
And what she did is amazing. She used her teacher voice. She remembered her, her teacher voice of authority. And so she wanted to use her teacher voice to command that bear to leave. So she goes to the back uh, door where the deck was, and she starts shouting, shouting to that bear, what do you think you're doing, she said. Why are you on my deck? Get down and go, go, how dare you? Lo and behold, that bear turned around and scrambled off the deck. And she said, as I saw the look on that bear's face, it was like there was fear and anxiety. It's kind of like being scolded by a teacher. Ever been scolded by a teacher? Oh, I don't know. Some of you homeschool boys, I tell you. Now, this is another one. I'm going down this in Maria because this is really true. Because this really hit home for me about a teacher's voice. We had an agriculture teacher. I was in agriculture. You know why? For the grade. It was an easy, easy course. So I took, took it because it was, it, I didn't have to study. It was an easy grade. But I want to tell you something. Our teacher was an ex-football player from Missouri. This guy could be nasty. And he had this deep, deep voice. And he had a short fuse. If you, if you disobeyed him once, if you do it twice, it could be a problem. The third time, look out. You know, back in my day, if a teacher laid a hand on a student, you know, you could do that. Today, if the teacher laid a hand on a student, they're going to they're gonna arrest that teacher. But back in my day, that was not the case. So, with this, I just want you to set the stage for how that, how that teacher can be so intimidating. So, my best friend, the idea is when we were in the shop, <laughs> I spent a whole semester working on a birdhouse. That's how I just low through that class. But anyway, my best friend, the, the, the rule was, rule number one is, you don't come back from lunch, and you don't have to bring any candy, jawbreakers, anything. He said, I've tell you one time, don't do it. So my best buddy, we went uptown for lunch, small town, and he comes back, typical young teenager, he's got this jawbreaker in his mouth, and this thing is sticking out like a real sore he saw a tooth or whatever, and that teacher came up to him, that deep sort of voice, and said, I thought I told you no candy in the shop. As he was saying that, he's shaking this kid. Boom, boom, boom. And the jawbreaker just kind of, to me at the time, it was funny. It just popped right out of his mouth. Just boom, boom, boom. Just rolled down. That was just a side note or whatever. But my point is, he got our attention. You didn't mess with this guy. He was tough. And boy, when he spoke, you better listen or you were in trouble. That's the point. My point with all of this is when, when you are gripped with fear, when you're grip, gripped with anxiety, when problems seem to be surrounding you and you're frustrated or, or whatever it might be, then seek boldness and courage by calling on Jesus' authority in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Have you ever done that? I'm sure you have. 
you know, maybe in our points of, maybe in our motion, we say, in the name of Jesus, leave. In the name of Jesus. That is great. And that is encouraging, isn't it? Doesn't that get your adrenaline going? You know, quote scripture. That's why I think it's so important to, as you read the word, find scriptures, that will, uh, those that really touch your heart. Say, man, I think I like to hang on to that when I'm going through this or that or the other thing. Because it's really helpful. Be strong and courageous when you're going through your stuff. God says, be strong and courageous. You know? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. You know, that's easy to say, isn't it? But it's hard to believe. But we're called to do that. Don't be afraid or terrified because God has it. Now, in the New Testament, in 1 John 4, 4, says, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That is so important for us to see. You know, back in the day, I haven't done much uh, through the years, recent years, but I had a deliverance ministry. I was called to, in certain areas, to uh, when there was a deliverance, demonic issues or whatever, uh, I was called to this one. I shared this one with you probably a couple years ago. But it really fits what I want to say here and what I, the truth I want to convey. And that is, this woman it came to me and said, you know, she had two little toddlers. And she said, every night, our, the kids, we put them to bed and they just moan. We're very restless. And she said, it would happen at certain times at night. Night in and night out. And she said, I'll go into the room to try to, try to settle them down. And I noticed, she said, every time the top of their dresser, the the clothes that I had laid out for them neatly were all in chambers or thrown off the dresser. And she said, there's no way it could have been my kids because, number one, I didn't have a chair in there. It was was away from the bed. They couldn't step on the bed. And the dresser, she said, one of the real high ones. And she said, I think they're getting visitors. And I said, I think you're right. So what I did is I told them, I said, I'll come over to the house and I'll, I'll do a deliverance through, through God. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to take that, reverse that. It's not me. God uses us. I said, isn't it God? And, and we'll, through the, the anointing of the Spirit, we'll, I'll anoint your house, room by room, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, and I really would prefer that you guys not be in the house when this happens. And so they left. I was there. She, they trust me at their house. I went through the refrigerator to have a sandwich. And I did this, and before I started, I thought I'd better have something to eat. No, I'm just kidding there. And uh, so I started the deliverance every, every room. Then, I, then it, I finally arrived at uh, their foyer in their house. And it was a, what do you call it, two-level, two whatever it is. And so they had the stairwell, stairway, it would kind of curved and up into the hallway upstairs where the bedrooms are, etc. And as I'm standing there, as I'm standing there, suddenly I look up and I see this, this shadow. I, I call it a shadow. I didn't see people or hands. or I just saw a shadow that was moving f- from, from, my, from my right to my left. I knew what it was. It was demonic presence. And at that point, that's when, when my courage kicked in. My adrenaline started to flow, and I knew what it was. 
I knew it. I was facing it. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you get out of this house now. That's pretty much how I said it, maybe a little bit stronger. Because I was pumped up. I was just so pumped up because I knew that God has called me for this. I knew what I was facing, but I knew that my God was greater than what I was facing. And I was confident in that. So that happened. I left, and they never had a problem. Thank you, Jesus. They never had a problem from that moment on. See, it's by authority. What I'm saying is, as Christians, we have supernatural power. We have this super, supernatural power that tells us to be bold, that tells us to be courageous, for Jesus is our sure hope in these fearful, anxious, and troubling times. Amen? Number three, beware of praise. Luke 20, 45 through 46. Well, all the people were listening. Jesus said to his disciples, beware of teachers of the law. They, they like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in, with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. Although Jesus addressed the teachers of the law alone, his stinging comments, I believe, are addressed to all religious leaders, all pastors, all board people, all teachers, people that are leaders not only in the church, but also out of the church. If you're a boss, if you're an owner, if you're whatever it is, and you have responsibility, this also applies to you. I believe it does. The word you will use here was beware. Beware here means to be alert and not, listen, and not to focus simply on seeking and craving public esteem at the expense of divine authority and glory. Hear what I'm saying. There is nothing wrong when your kids are doing great and they're proud, and you're proud of them, that is a wonderful thing. I love it when I hear, hear somebody's doing well in school or whatever. That's, we should recognize and applaud their hard work and efforts. Absolutely. That's not what I'm getting at here. It's when we think that we're doing it all by ourselves. Well, thank you so much for um, all my successes because I'm so brilliant and I'm so, everybody just loves me, I'm good looking, and I just say the right things all the time. I just have that gift. That's what Jesus is talking against. All of our gifts, all of our talents come from him. So, I think when somebody praises you and says, hey, Rudy, well, let go to someone else. Uh, <laughs> or big Mike, and praise you, I know. And, and for, you know, it's wonderful to say, well, thank you very much. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate your words, your encouragement. But thank you, Lord. Maybe in your heart you're saying, thank you, Jesus. Because it's all about him. It's not about us. If it brings glory to him, that's the most important thing. Amen? How many are Bear fans? How many could care less? 
Well, it just goes to show that nobody's perfect. All right. Well, I happen to be. I know. I know. Oh, dear. I have been a Bear fan far too long before most of you were even born. You know, I suffered through these guys, thick and thin. That was my team or whatever. So I saw all the, not a lot of things to be uh, uh, praiseworthy about with the Bears because it wasn't a lot of highlights. They were just bad. You even have good players that was real bad. But I remember back in the day, stick with me. I know Chris, you say boring. Back in the day, when in my first apartment in Berwyn, Illinois, and back in the day, see, when you had the, the, the football on on Sunday mor- Sundays, if they were in town, it was blacked out. You did not get it on TV. So the Bears were playing the San Francisco 49ers. It was raining, pouring rain all day long. So I've got this radio. I'm listening in this apartment, and I'm, I'm, I'm here one time to the Gale Sayers the running back for the Bears, that time he ran for six touchdowns. And they took him out in the fourth quarter. He could have had more. I thought, why did you take the guy out? He could have said, well, unbelievable. I remember that this day, obviously, because I just shared it with you. I remember uh, Brian Urlacher, and when he had over 20 tackles in one game, that was a highlight. Remember when the 85 Bears won the Super Bowl? That was a highlight. And then last Sunday, I see a young quarterback who had a fantastic game. That went right up there with me with some of the highlights of the years of the Bears. I'm not saying anything other than that he could pancake or whatever, but he did something on that field that just isn't done. But I say all of this for this reason. He's one of the few athletes that after the fact, he gets what, offensive player of the week? on a team, his team that lost. So he's up there before the cameras. And what does Justin Fields do? He praises God and thanks God for the gifts God has given him. I said, I said young guy, you've got it. For a 23-year-old, you've got it. Because he put it all in perspective. Thank you very much, but business is you. I got work to do, whatever. But I thank God for the talents and the gifts he's given me. That's my point with this, there's nothing wrong with praise, people praising you, but as long as you give, you know, take that glory bag and just give it to your Lord. Amen? Amen. Number four, the last point. Spiritual vision, Matthew six twenty-two and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is just me, but I believe the centrality of these verses referred to a singleness of purpose. A keen spiritual eye produces a clear spiritual vision. Are you with me? A cloudy eye, if you listen to what Jesus is saying here, a cloudy eye, that dark eye, 
What does it produce? It is filled with the things of this world. It's filled with the things of the flesh. It's filled with unforgiveness. It's filled with lust. It's filled with covetedness. It's filled with all the things that are contrary to the Spirit of God. That's when spiritual darkness sets in. A good eye symbolizes light. Jesus' kingdom purposes. Darkness symbolizes denying God. Taking God out of your life. And it it favors, really, self-reliance. So what am I saying today? If I could could just summarize it, you know, seek to find the narrow way. Seek to find that narrow gate. Seek to overcome your problems. Seek to overcome your fears. Seek to overcome your anxieties by entering the narrow gate. Seek praise by giving God the glory. Seek praise by giving God the honor in all that you do. By entering the narrow gate. Seek a clear spiritual vision. Seek that vision. And enter the narrow gate. All of what I said is Holy Spirit driven. We can do nothing without the Spirit of God. That's why when when we do things in the name of the Lord and say it works out, beware of false pride. It's all because don't think you're so great or I'm so great because of what we do. It's the Spirit of God working in us as we seek to be obedient to his call. So seek all these things and Jesus Christ will take care of the rest. Amen? It's all about Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He would take care of the rest. I appreciate your gifts and your talents. And some of you have many of them. But I affirm them in the name of Jesus Christ. Not because I think you're great, but he's great in you. Amen? And amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you. And I thank you, Lord, so much. Uh, We don't want to get caught 